0: Hey everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to subscribe to our Journey Callaway YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you right there. Now, I hope this episode helps you take your next step in following Jesus. Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. If this is your first time, I certainly hope it's not your last time. But I need to warn you to make sure it's not your last time because this series we're doing, at least for those of us who carry the label Christian, well, this is going to be pretty uncomfortable for us. At the same time, it's going to make us way better, so it's going to be worth it. And for those of you who aren't Christians or you wouldn't consider yourself a church person anymore, listen, you are going to love this series. You couldn't have picked a better series to tune in because this is going to give you a perspective on how Christians should be and how you wish Christians would be. So, The title of this series is Talking Points, and the subtitle is The Perfect Blend of Politics, Race, and Religion. Now, you can be the judge of whether it really is a perfect blend or not, but I'll tell you this. For a few months now, I've been thinking about whether I needed to tackle this topic, and when I finally decided after praying about it for a while that I thought it was something we needed to do, I went to my wife and I told her what I was thinking. And I said, well, what do you think? And she said, I think it is a great idea and you're gonna tick a lot of people off. So she's unplugged the internet so she doesn't have to watch us for the next four weeks. But for the rest of us, as we go through this, here's what I want you to know. First of all, especially if you're new to our church, we are not a political church, so it's not gonna go the direction you may think it's gonna go. I'm not gonna be telling you how to vote, who to vote for, that's entirely up to you. And the thing I want you to know is, my goal is actually not to tick anybody off. But as we go through this, depending on how you listen, depending on the political filter through which you hear some of what I have to say— you may take things in a way that I don't necessarily mean them, or you may find some things that you just flat out disagree with, and that is perfectly fine. So if you find yourself really, really mad at me in the course of this somewhere along the next four weeks, and you want to vent, you want to, you know, you're frustrated, you just want to let it all out, that's fine. Vent in your head about me all you want. As a matter of fact, I would suggest you just open up your email and type me a big, long email of all the things that I'm wrong about, okay? But when you're done with it, I want to ask you to do one thing. Just save it as a draft for about 24 to 48 hours and allow yourself enough time to cool down a little bit. And then before you hit send, why don't you go back and re-listen to what it was I said that made you so mad and make sure that's really what I said and you didn't just hear something that I didn't mean. And then if you're still upset, by all means hit send. I would love to hear from you. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait about 48 hours for you to cool off a little more, and then I'm going to pick up the phone, and I'm going to call you, and we're going to have a great civil conversation. But the goal is not to tick anybody off. The the goal is for those of us who carry the label of Christian, well, we need to be better, and we do not need to allow this current season with a pandemic, a global meltdown economically, with... Election year and all the politics that are going along with all the racial tensions happening in our country, we cannot allow all of this to divide us as a church. There is way too much at stake. So, with all of that, now that I've got your attention, let's jump right in. There is nothing that divides like politics because nothing divides like fear. You got to understand this fear, when you peddle fear, You can raise a lot of money. You can win a lot of votes doing this. And that's exactly what's happening. There's plenty of fear in our country right now, isn't there? Well, the Democrats, they're going to take your guns away. Well, the Republicans, they're going to take your vote away. Well, the Democrats, they're going to make us all socialist. Yeah, well, the Republicans, they're going to tax the middle class and the poor and give all the money to the rich. Don't you know this is the most important election of our lifetimes? Why do we always fall for that? I don't know. Because four years ago, they told us that. Eight years ago, they told us that. You have heard that since you've been paying attention to politics. Every election is the most important election of our lifetime. Why in the world do we fall for that? It's just fear. It's just fear. Well, if he gets elected, it is going to be the end of our country. Yeah, well, if he gets elected, he's going to turn us into a godless country and shut down all our churches. It's nothing but fear. There's a lot of people peddling fear these days. And the reason's because when you get done working up all the fear in people, you can look at them and say, but hey, a donation of 50 bucks, and we'll help make sure your fears don't come true. And it works. You raise a lot of money, you win a lot of votes by peddling fear. Nothing divides like politics because nothing divides like fear. But I have a question for you, and maybe you haven't thought about this. What exactly do we fear? What is, I mean, why in the world does this work? Every four years it works. What exactly do we fear? Well, I'll tell you, we all fear the same thing. Democrat, Republican, Independent, don't care, doesn't matter. We all fear the same thing. We fear loss. We feel, fear the loss of a better future. We fear the loss of maybe a better future for the next generation, for our kids, for our grandkids. We fear the loss, some of us, of income. We fear the loss of you know our retirement changing and not having enough. We fear the loss of our ideals of our values being lost in our society and in our country. Some of us, we fear the loss of progress. Well, when you know my political party was in power, we made so much progress, and now if it goes the other way, they're going to undo all of that. So we fear that we'll lose progress. We fear loss of rights. We fear loss of freedom. But we fear. We fear because we're afraid we're going to lose something. Now, if you're not a church person or not a Christian, totally understandable. But for those of us who wear the label Christian, just think about this for a minute. Why in the world do we keep falling for the trap of fear? Why do we keep falling for the trap of, oh, I'm afraid I'm gonna lose something, so I've gotta get behind this politician and fight, fight, fight for what's right? Why do we do that? I mean, think about it. We follow a leader who predicted his own death and resurrection and he pulled it off. What do we have to be afraid of? We follow a leader who, in the First century, and think about this: in the first century, when he walked this earth, there was not a democratic republic. There was a Caesar. There was an oppressor. There was a "You're going to do what I tell you to do." But he didn't walk around in fear. He didn't fall for the trap of "Well, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You better do something." Jesus. So, what in the world are we doing, falling into the trap? Why in the world would those of us who are followers of Jesus choose to voice? Our political view in such a way that it divides us? Why would we choose to voice our political view in such a way that it devalues anyone who disagrees with you? Why, this is a tough question, okay? Why would those of us who are Christians treat a politician or a political party as if they are are our savior? And you're thinking, oh, I don't do that, Matt. Really? Well, let me ask you a question. What do you think about most? I mean, over the last few weeks, you spent more time thinking about Jesus or politics? You spent more time talking about Jesus or politics? What, what do you post about more on your social media? Jesus or politics? Some of you, you're treating your political party, you're treating a politician as if they're your savior. This is why you get so worked up and passionate about your political view, because you have put your hope in that person to make everything right. And part of the reason I'm doing this series is, one, that approach will divide those of us who follow Jesus, and there is so much that will be lost as a result. There's too much at stake for that to happen. But I'm also talking about this because if that's the approach you take, you're always going to be left disappointed. Matter of fact, let me get you to think about this. If everything went right, would everything be right? Here's what I mean by that. If you had the power, I'm going to grant you the power, to make sure everything in the election this year, this year went just right for you, for you, okay? Not for the people around you, just right as far as you're concerned. So you had the power to snap your fingers, and every politician you wanted to get elected got elected. You had the power to snap your fingers, and you had the president you wanted, the vice president you wanted. You had Congress, Senate, and the House of Representatives controlled by the party you want to be controlled by. and let me go ahead and give you enough power. You could change out any Supreme Court justices you want to, OK? So you snap your finger and they're all Republican. You snap your finger and they're all Democrat. You snap your finger, and they're all who you want them to be. If everything went right in the election, then would everything be right for you? No, you would still have problems. No. The people that you want in those positions, well, they wouldn't always do what you want them to do, would they? If everything went the way you want it to politically, it still wouldn't change everything in your life and make it all just like you want it to be. Now, politicians promise they can fix all our problems, and I understand that they're trying to get elected, but you should know this by now, and so so should I. They don't have the power to fix our problems. And once they get in office, they're human beings like us. They, They have their own opinions. They do their own thing. We don't always agree with them. So why in the world, for those of us who carry the label Christian, why would we put all of our hope in a politician or a political party to make things right, whatever right means to you, to make things right in our country? Why would we treat them as if they are our Savior? You see, what we should be known for as Christians, what we should model, the, the behavior that we should practice over and over again is we should show people how to disagree politically and yet love unconditionally. If we're going to be known for something, it shouldn't be well. Those Christians are all Republicans. Those Christians they they just love the dim-. no. It should we should be known for this. There's a group of people who disagree politically on things, or for that matter, disagree relationally, disagree in any way on any topic, and yet they love one another unconditionally, and yet. Instead of that, we are choosing over and over and over again to elevate our political view above someone who disagrees with me or someone who disagrees with you. Why would we ever make that trade and make that choice? Now, apparently, Jesus, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, he saw this coming. He knew that division, that divisiveness, this was going to be a problem for people who followed him. As a matter of fact, part of the reason it's such an issue for us is because it's not a logical issue. It's an emotional issue, isn't it? Fear is never logical. It's always emotional. And Jesus understood that. But you want to talk emotion, let me show you a situation that was emotional. On the night of Jesus' arrest, he's eating the Passover meal, the, what some call the Last Supper, with Peter and Andrew and James and John and Matthew and Bartholomew and Thomas, you know, Simon the Zealot. It's 12... Disciples. Judas was there. He's eating the Last Supper, and then Judas is gone to betray him. And Jesus is left with the 11. And you know what he does? Just minutes before his arrest. Some of you don't even know this happened. Just minutes before his arrest, Jesus gathers the 11 around him and he prays. And I want to show you just a little bit of what he prayed, but the entire prayer is recorded in John's account in John chapter 17. It'll take you about two minutes to read it, and it is extraordinary. If you do nothing else, I hope you'll just open up a Bible, open up a Bible out, and read this prayer, because this is at the heart. Now, again, Jesus knew what was coming. He knew what he was about to go through. And in this last moment of darkness, can you imagine, before he endures all of this, Jesus expresses through a prayer exactly what is on his heart and exactly what he cares about most. John begins the account with these words. He says, after Jesus said this to his disciples, he looked toward heaven and he prayed. Here's how he starts his prayer. Father, the hour has come. In other words, what I came to this earth to do, well, it's time. Jesus knew exactly what lay ahead of him in the next few minutes and hours. He knew he was about to go through something so debilitating, so humiliating, torture, persecution, pain, suffering, agony, nails being driven into his feet and his hands after he'd been beaten, after he'd been scourged, after he'd been mocked, after he'd been spit on. He knew exactly what lay before him, and he's praying. He says, okay, Father, the hour's come. I, I know I'm about to go through this. So, glorify your son. Now, the word glorify is just a fancy way of saying Would you put the attention, would you put the spotlight on me? Why? That your son may glorify or put the spotlight on you. Now, this is not an ego thing, because remember, Jesus knows exactly what's about to happen. This isn't Jesus saying, hey, would you bring all the attention to me, God, so that my ego gets puffed up here and I feel good about myself. This is Jesus going, I'm about to go through the most humiliating, debilitating thing possible but would you put the spotlight on me when I'm on the cross so that through my death and resurrection, I can put the spotlight on you. This was his heart as he began to enter these dark, difficult moments. But then his prayer shifts. I want to skip down a little in the prayer, but he begins to pray not for himself. He begins to pray for others. Here's what he says next, verse 11. He says, he's talking to his father again. I'll remain in the world no longer, but they, who are they? Well, all of those first century followers of Jesus. He says, but they're still in the world. I'm coming to you. I'm not going to keep operating in this world the way I have, but they're still going to be here. And he goes on. He says, holy father, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, to which we all go, okay, I like this part of the prayer. Jesus, get God to protect us so bad things don't happen to us. I mean, we hate it has to happen to you, but we don't want to go through suffering and trials and persecutions and difficulties. But that is not what Jesus is asking God to do for us. He's asking our Heavenly Father to protect us from something very different, something that He believed was far worse than dealing with suffering, pain, trials, or difficulties. He says, Would you protect them by the power of your name so that they may be one? as we are one. Jesus says, Father, I'm about to leave. And when I leave, they're going to be so tempted to become divided. Would you just protect them so they can stay united? Why? Because I'm launching a movement here and I'm launching a movement, I'm putting in their hands an extraordinary message, an extraordinary message that God is with them, that Jesus has died for them. This is a message the whole world needs to hear. But the minute there is division, the movement stops. The minute they're divided, they lose credibility. So, Father, would you just protect their unity so that they don't become divided? And then he prays for you. You may have never realized he did this. On the night, just moments before his arrest, Jesus thought about you. Here's what he prayed next. He said, my prayer is not for them alone, not just for the followers who are with me right now. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. In other words, Jesus is going, I just want I don't wanna just pray for them. I wanna pray for the next generation of followers who will hear the message from them and they'll begin to follow me. And then the generation after that and the generation after that, all the way to you and me. So, he's praying for us. Now, what does he pray for us? Here's what he says. That all of them, that all of us may be one Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you. Jesus, what do you, it's your last moments for you. are about to be arrested, beaten, and nailed to a cross. What do you most want for people who follow you? I want them to be united. I want them to be one. Well, that's impossible. Jesus goes, no, no, it's imperative. It is mission critical. He continues on. He says, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I'm not praying for them to be united so they'll have happy, peaceful lives. I'm praying for them to be united because everything about the mission depends on it. I'm praying them for them to be united because they're part of a movement that is delivering this extraordinary message that God is with us and Jesus died for us. And if they become divided, the movement stops. If they become divided, their credibility and influence is lost. Now, the reason this is so relevant is because, come on, when we become divided politically, we lose influence and credibility relationally. You know this, don't you? When we become divided politically, we lose influence and credibility relationally with the people around us. Why in the world, why in the world, would you be so passionate about expressing a political view that you're willing for it to cost you credibility and influence with somebody who needs to know that God is with you, he's with them, and he loves them, and he loves you? Why in the world would you risk losing credibility and influence to share that message with them just so they can know who you stand for in an election year because you're afraid of losing something? It doesn't make much sense when you think about it. But again, this is not logical. This is emotional, isn't it? But it's a terrible trade off. Jesus understood. He's just looking ahead in time and he's going, okay, my followers, this movement, the church, They get wrapped up in things that divide. They're going to lose their ability to do exactly what I put them on this earth to do. When we become divided politically, we lose credibility. We lose influence relationally. So I have a question to ask you. And I hope you'll give some serious thought to this, okay? And we'll unpack this over the next few episodes as we go through this series. Question is this. Are you willing to evaluate your politics through the filter of our faith instead of creating a version of faith that supports your politics? Let me tell you what I mean by that. If you believe that if Jesus walked the earth today, he would definitely be a Democrat. If you believe when Jesus walked the earth today, absolutely he'd be a Republican and support your candidate or your party. You have created a version of Jesus and a version of faith that simply supports your political views you're not following the real Jesus. You've lost sight of who he is. You see, if Jesus were on this earth today, I can tell you exactly what he would do. All you have to do is look at the gospel accounts of his life. There would be certain parts of your political party's platform that align with his values and he would agree with, and there would be other parts that do not align with his values and he would speak out against. He wouldn't be beholden to any political party. He would be beholden to the values of the kingdom of God, and there is no political party that reflects those values perfectly. So my question for you is this. If you carry the label Christian, if you carry the label Christian, are you willing to disagree with your favorite politician? Are you willing to disagree with your favorite political party whenever their position, their values, their stance, or their behavior is out of line with Jesus and his character and his values. Will you elevate what he says to be true above what any political party asks you to do? Don't create a version of Jesus that just supports your political party. That is way too short-sighted, and you will be left far too disappointed. You know, as followers of Jesus, what we ought to be known for, what we ought to do, my challenge for you, Is simply this. Let's disagree politically, because we're going to, that's fine. But let's love unconditionally, and let's pray for unity. Let's disagree, because we're going to disagree on things. But let's do it in a way where we still love one another, where we don't devalue one another, where we don't look down on one another. Let's not be the group of people who are part of the cancel culture. Well, I disagree with you on that, so I'm done with you. Now, there are things way more important than our political views. So let's disagree politically, let's love unconditionally, and let's let's pray for and model unity. This is what the early followers of Jesus did. This is what Jesus prayed for all of us to do, that we may be one. Who is we? Well, in their day it was Romans and Greeks and Jews. In our day it's Democrats and Republicans. It's men and women, it's rich and not so rich. It's brown and black and white all of us with all of our diversity and all of our differences in the church, all of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, this is exactly what we should model, and this is exactly what we should be known for. We're going to disagree politically. We're going to love unconditionally, and we're going to pray for unity. Do not, do not elevate your political view above the you beside you, above the you in your family, above the you in your workplace, above the you in your neighborhood, above the you on social media, Do not communicate and elevate your political view where you devalue that person, where you burn a bridge, where you hurt someone relationally because of something politically that you tend to believe. There is no political view that is worth putting above what Jesus called you and me to do. And we called us to do is to love one another the way he has loved us. We can disagree politically and still love unconditionally. And we can model and pray for unity. So, let me give you some questions to reflect on and think about. And this, this will create some lively conversation if you'll talk about these in your group or with your family or, or with your friends. First question is this Think of the people that you interact with the most. What percentage of those people think pretty much the same way as you politically? If the answer is high, then you're lacking a little diversity in your life. You really need to spend some time around people and become friends with people who think differently than you. You might have an entirely different perspective on how to communicate. I'm not saying you change your opinions, but on how to communicate your opinions if you began to listen to the other side first. Second question, when you disagree with people, do you usually express that in a way that values or devalues the other person? Do you express it in a way where it's, hey, this is my opinion. I think I'm right on this, but I realize people view it differently. Do you express it in a way where you're willing to listen to the other side and just not yell and argue about it? Or do you always express it in a way where you treat people who disagree with you as if they're idiots, as if they just don't have a clue? So what's wrong with these people? Now, if you have, is there someone to whom you need to offer an apology? a family member you create a rift with because you got into a political argument, a coworker, a neighbor, a classmate, that you created a rift relationally over something politically? Come on, that's a terrible trade-off. We're going to be better than that. We're going to model what it looks like to disagree politically, love unconditionally, and pray for and model unity. Because first and foremost, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we are not Republicans. First and foremost, we are not Democrats. First and foremost, we give our allegiance to a better party with a higher purpose. And we'll pick it up right there in episode two of Talking Points. Let me pray for us. Father, there's so much division in our country, in our state right here in our own communities. And it bothers us, but quite honestly, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we are best equipped to model something different. We're best equipped to model what it looks like, to disagree politically, to love unconditionally, and to show unity. And This is what we all want, and yet we're not taking the lead and doing a very good job of that as the, the big church. So would you help us, those of us who are a part of our church, journey, would you help us to set the example? Would you help us to lead the way? Would you help us to have enough humility to be able to disagree and still love, to disagree and still listen, to disagree and still remain united where we need to offer some apologies? God, give us enough courage to go do it this week. Get that resolved. Don't let us elevate our political view above people who disagree with me or people who disagree with you. Help us to love them the way you have loved us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey Calway app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church, be sure to visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com.